Okay, welcome back to Hellspan. This is part two of the Immunity Code by Joel Green. In this episode, I discuss different mechanisms of keeping the young body. As we age, junk from damaged fats and proteins accumulate in the cell. With age, the natural mechanism to remove debris declines. Eventually, accumulating cellular trash interferes with normal operations of the cell. Genetic experiments show blocking housekeeping functions in the cell induces advanced aging. Conversely, experiments stimulating housekeeping have been shown to slow the aging process. This housekeeping mechanism, of course, is the autophagy process. Autophagy is the mechanism by which we get rid of old, worn-out cells and debris in our body and help form new ones. Now, just to briefly explain how autophagy works, when the kinase AMP kinase becomes activated, we get activation of another kinase called UNC51-like kinase. This sets off the autophagy induction process, and you get formations of different proteins like Beclin and different autophagy-related genes that combine with the lysosome that help degrade the old worn-out cells and debris and organelles and help make room for new ones. Sim Land recently did a podcast, and he showed how centenarians actually had higher amounts of Beclin, which of course is the protein that I just mentioned that helps in the formation of the autophagolysosome that helps clear out the cells. And I also read another paper right before this podcast that showed that Beclin-1 shows reduced expression in early Alzheimer's disease and regulated amyloid beta accumulation in mice. In other words, those who had decreased expression of Beclin had higher amounts of the Alzheimer's disease-associated protein amyloid beta. So we know autophagy is very important in clearing out a lot of debris in our brain and our muscle and our entire body. So this is why it's important to have good housekeeping mechanisms in our body. And of course, there's different types of forms of autophagy, and you can say what type of autophagy it is by the prefix of the word. So mitophagy is the autophagy of mitochondria. There's also pexophagy, which is the autophagy process for the peroxisomes. And this is something Joel Green really emphasizes in this chapter. And the peroxisomes are these specialized organelles in your body that have a variety of functions. One of them that is well known is the oxidation of the very long chain fatty acids. They also maintain free radical balance within the cell. And peroxisomes are also central to the immunity. So if you listen to Joel Green on a podcast or you read this book, you understand the importance of pexophagy and our functioning of the peroxisomes. So why peroxisomes matter so much? The peroxisomes wield vast control over both immunity and aging. At low levels, free radicals output from peroxisomes help us stay young. And he has this quote here from a doctor stating that at low levels, peroxisome free radicals activate an anti-aging program in the cell. But any point beyond a specific threshold, this can actually be a pro-aging trigger. And again, peroxisomes have a wide variety of functions. They, again, degrade the very long chain fatty acids. They also help kill bacteria. They help maturation of the neutrophils, which again are involved in the clearing out of bacteria. And as we age, the peroxisome membrane becomes less permeable and the antioxidant catalase cannot really go into the peroxisome itself and cause the degradation of these different proteins and bacteria. 
and the delicate balance of catalase and free radical output into the cell by peroxisomes becomes disrupted, and you get increasing number of different free radicals that tend to spill into your cells. Now, I know the free radical theory of aging is debunked and has been debunked for many years, but it's still important to reduce the amount of free radicals and oxidative stress in your body. And of course, what are some things you can do now that can amplify the pixophagy process? Some of the important supplements you could potentially take are NAC, N-acetylcysteine, lipoic acid, vitamin E, and DHA. These are all supplements that really help augment the function of the peroxisomes. And there's also different substances to help with the housekeeping process, so the autophagy process itself. And the first one I want to mention is pterostilbene. Pterostilbene is a phenolic compound found in things like blueberries and other kinds of fruits and vegetables. And pterostilbene has a wide variety of functions itself, so it has a lot of anti-cancer properties. It's also been shown to induce autophagy in different vascular endothelial cells that help in the like function of getting rid of that oxidized LDL plaque underneath the endothelium. So at the heart of cardiovascular disease and MIs is the formation of those foamy cells, the, the macrophages that end up dislodging and causing you know disruption of blood flow to the heart. In other words, a heart attack. So Berberine has been helped has been shown to be helping this process. It helps suppress the LDL induced oxidative stress that occurs in the endothelium. So again, very beneficial for the heart. As I mentioned, it has anti-cancer properties as well. There's also berberine. So berberine has been called the legal metformin by some, in reference to the idea that it has a lot of health promoting effects. And the reason it does so is through the AMP kinase activation. So berberine decreases insulin resistance and also improves risk factors associated with metabolic syndrome. Another important compound that he mentions here is apigenin. So apigenin, like pterostilbene and berberine, have a lot of different effects, some associated with Alzheimer's, some that help with insomnia, osteoarthritis, a lot of anxiety. Apigenin is a plant flavonoid found in things like grapefruit. And you can also find it in things like parsley, celery, artichoke, and oregano. And it also helps like promotion, prom- uh, promotion of the um, like these different cells involved in the autophagy process, the ATGs, as I mentioned. Also, light chain 3 is another protein found in the autophagy process. It helps with phosphorylation of AMP kinase and also decreases mTOR activity in, in some studies. So again, apigenin, berberine pterostilbene, these are all compounds that can, you can use starting today that help activate the autophagy process. He also has this section about butyrate, but he does talk about butyrate a little bit later, so I'm going to skip that for now. Moving a little forward, he does have this section on the declining immunity and aging as a problem of lost DNA. Now, if you want three, four episodes of in-detailed explanation of the loss of information, I highly recommend you check out my podcast, uh, Lifespan by David Sinclair. In these three or four podcasts, I discuss his, his information theory of aging, and he goes over it here, but I wanted to just refer to the Lifespan podcast that I did because I go into much more detail. And for now, I wanted to jump to the next chapter, which is Young Signaling, so AMP kinase and the sirtuins. 
So AMP kinase is the master regulation of youth. I have talked about AMP kinase multiple times in previous podcasts. AMP kinase stands for adenosine monophosphate activated protein kinase. Again, it's called the master, the quote unquote master regulator of youth. And again, AMP kinase, it is a energy sensor in your cell. It's one of these signaling pathways. When the energy sensor inside your cell is low, AMP kinase turns on and this activates a cascade of signals that are beneficial to us. And it's sort of this body switch from a state of aging to one that is involved in life extension. The key idea here is when AMP kinase is activated, aging is slowed down. The reason has to do with energy and growth. So in a lot of these next couple chapters, he talks about growth and how eating and aging kind of go together. And whenever we see eating, we see aging. And this sounds very complex and may sound a little crazy, but whenever we see eating, we see aging. Whenever there is no eating or food intake is reduced by at least a third, aging seems to slow down. This is why calorie restriction as a means of aging slower has gained a lot of traction recently. Some of the reason aging slows when food is restricted is because we get more, more of that housekeeping mechanism, as I mentioned, more autophagy process. We get reduction of free radicals in our cells. We get more glute transporters. We take up more glucose into our cells. We increase fatty acid oxidation. As I mentioned, we get more NAD. We get more AMP, like we get more autophagy process. We get more DNA repair. We get a lot more, and we get more and better functioning mitochondria as well. All this stuff goes on when AMP kinase becomes activated. This is the master regulator of youth. It's the signaling molecule that tends to be have a widespread beneficial effect on our on our body. And the key idea that he talks about in the next section is that we don't really age at the same rate across life. So we have these different windows of youth. Our windows of youth is the period where the rate of aging is relatively slow. And as we age, a critical threshold is passed. Once we pass this threshold beyond, beyond, the body's rate of aging begins to kind of like speed up after that. So our goal with this book is to push out the window of youth. We want to stay in this period where we are very youthful and we can extend that period beyond what the normal person, the normal window that a person has. And he talks about these different quote-unquote, waves of aging. The first wave of aging tends to be in our early 30s, roughly around 34. At this stage, key shifts in the extracellular matrix flood the blood with very distinct markers of aging and disease. So this is when we first start seeing those markers of aging and disease. We have the second wave around 60 and a final wave around 78. While we cannot stop aging, perhaps we can affect a few key cellular processes that help our cells remain in this quote-unquote window of youth longer. So the, the, the million-dollar question is, how do we do this? How do we maintain a longer window of youth? It all begins with controlling signaling pathways. So the first one he mentions here is the insulin IGF signaling pathway. And the body's rate of aging seems to correlate with signals for growth. The most important of these signals is insulin. So insulin is part of the insulin IGF pathway. It is, I completely 100% agree that 
It is one of the main offenders in the aging process. Too much insulin, too much IGF, too much mTOR. This is what's causing too many cell cycle progressions and causing us to age. Now, again, this is a very simplistic view, but we want to target this insulin IGF signaling pathway. And the reason is the more signal input down the insulin IGF signaling pathway, the faster we age. The lower insulin IGF signaling, the higher AMP kinase pathway gets involved. So you can't have both at the same time. You can't have growth factors, insulin, IGF, growth hormone, and have AMP kinase really activate at the same time. It's counterintuitive. And conversely, fewer signals input down the insulin pathway slow the rate of aging. This IIS pathway, when it becomes shut down, we get more AMP kinase, as I mentioned. We get less cell cycle progressions, less growth, less division, and more of that housekeeping that I keep mentioning. More autophagy, more clearing out old cells, and we get a lot more DNA repair as well. So again, this is a very basic, simplistic way of understanding it. But remember, you can't really have two antagonistic things working at the same time. And another thing he mentions here is the partnership of AMPK with sirtuins. So if you want a whole podcast on sirtuins, I recommend, again, the Lifespan book by David Sinclair, which I covered earlier. And he talks about a lot about the sirtuins, which are the silent information regulators proteins. It's involved in DNA repair. It's a family of histone deacetylases that, again, help in, in a lot of processes, not just from DNA repair, but just keeping our telomeres longer. And a lot of these hallmarks of aging get attenuated uh, when sirtuins become activated. And the proper way to activate AMPK and sirtuins are, he mentions here, there's three. So around dawn in a fasted state and ideally under ex exercise and cold. The natural and proper ecosystem of AMPK and sirtuins happens, again, around dawn in a fasted state and ideally under ex ex exercise and cold. Now, these three conditions simply eliminate most people. We don't like to wake up around dawn. We don't really like to stay in a fasted state. We love to eat around the clock. And we don't really like to expose ourselves to cold. And we don't really like to exercise, at least most of us. So again, that's the problem. We want to flip the switch. And again, we do so by having you know these good circadian rhythms, by fasting enough, and also ha having exposure to different heat stressors and cold stressors and also exercise. So that's the kind of brief somewhat brief section of AMPK and sirtuins. You could spend hours and hours talking about this subject, but for now, I want to move on to NAD and also CD38. So NAD, again, this molecule that I've mentioned before, it is needed to power sirtuins. It's also needed for DNA repair and also energy production. So he mentions NAD as the quote-unquote motor oil of your body. NAD is made naturally a few different ways in our body. One way is during sleep. When we sleep, we increase in NAD. When tryptophan is metabolized, NAD is also made. And NAD is also restored during fasting via activation of the AMPK and sirtuin pathway. NAD is also made from niacin in the diet. So if you want a lot of NAD, you can eat foods that have a lot of niacin in it. And why we need, it, why we need NAD for immunity in youth. So NAD acts as this quote-unquote immune switch 
When your cells have a ready supply of NAD, macrophages use it to maintain normal immune function. Without a ready supply of NAD, macrophages drive compromised, compromised immune function. NAD is also needed for many functions that help you stay young, like making you know, DNA copies and also housekeeping. When NAD levels decline, a key protein needed to repair DNA declines as well. When this happens, DNA damage increases. We get more DNA damage, less repair. This happens when NAD goes down. NAD is also a key control point over the body's 24-hour circadian rhythm, so it's involved in our circadian biology as well. If I remember from the Tony Robbins book that I covered last year, you can remember that around the age of 50, we have 50% of the NAD that we had when we were teenagers. So NAD levels tend to plummet after the age of 50. In a paper in 2009 from the Journal of Cell Metabolism identified a major culprit of the NAD decline. And this, of course, is the CD38. So the other name for CD38 is NADase. Anytime you see ACE at the end of the word, that means it's an enzyme. So it is an enzyme that chews up NAD. So CD38, as we age, the levels of that increase. CD38 increasing has a one-to-one -one correlation with NAD declining. So he has this nice chart here showing that as NADase and CD38 go up, the level of NAD and also different things like mitochondrial function go down. Increases in CD38 are also linked to mitochondrial dysfunction, inflammation, and insulin resistance. CD38 is particularly important in your fat tissue. CD38 tends to drive fat storage. High levels in the body fat of CD38 generally coincide with fat cell health going downward. As fat cell health goes downward, the whole body immunity is compromised. Before doing this podcast, I looked up some studies on CD38, and there was a paper that I found that showed that treatment of old mice with a CD38 inhibitor called 78C prevents the age-related NAD decline. So this was a paper out of cell metabolism in 2018, and when these mice were treated with a CD38 inhibitor, they showed improved glucose tolerance, enhanced cardiac function, and increased exercise capacity. So maybe in the coming years, or maybe a few decades from now, there's going to be more and more research about developing these CD38 inhibitors to help boost our own NAD levels. He does have this short session about the dark side of NAD, and this is something that I believe was also brought up in Tony Robbins' book, Life Force. So one of the dark sides of NAD is that it may potentially help the growth of cancer cells. So let, I just want to explain real quick. In late-stage cancer, supplementing to increase NAD can actually make the problem a little worse. And the reason is cancer cells rely a lot on the glycolysis process. Remember the whole Warburg effect? If you want to know more about cancer and what it is, why it happens, you can refer to my Cancer Code book by Jason Fung. But NAD really helps in the glycolysis process, and it may actually fuel cancer cells. So this is something you want to see if you have cancer or some sort of late-stage cancer, maybe you want to avoid NAD. Just a fair warning. But if you're young and healthy, you're, you, want to you want to boost your NAD levels, what are some things you can do to increase NAD? 
as I mentioned, you can sleep. So sleep tends to increase our NAD levels. Fasting increases our NAD levels. Lowering our inflammation increases NAD. We can also increase bifidobacterium. You may supplement with NAD like different NAD precursors, NR, NMN. These are different NAD precursors. You can also supplement directly with inhibitors of CD38. I don't think they're out on the market now. But just remember, we want to boost NAD levels and the best way to exercise, sleep, fasting. These are all ways to really boost the NAD levels. And for now, I'm going to move forward. And actually, I'm running a little long here, so I'll end the podcast here. And I'll pick up next week on different ways to preserve your youth. So his next section is all about young muscle and young blood. And I'll pick up here next podcast. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you learned something about NAD, the importance of housekeeping mechanisms and AMP kinase, and the importance of not too many cell cycle progressions. So as I mentioned, we want to kind of damp down the insulin IGF pathway because when this turns on, this different housekeeping mechanisms turn off. Again, a very simplistic way, but I hope that makes sense. So thank you for listening, and I hope you tune in next time.